begin. Hello. Oh, hello. 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 Hello there. Hello. Um, start timer. Start timer. And start this little segment where I will talk about Patreon for just a second. Go uh, on. Well, you know, if you like shit like this, you'll also like our Patreon show, which is the same thing, really. So you did double up on content. Uh, and you can access uh, an extra bonus episode every week, maybe, uh, <laughs> ish, uh, and it's only three dollars a month, and mm-hmm. we don't even we don't even go with that kind of currency here. So you no, you, it's two pounds eighty one. Yeah, so you you sweet, and that's per month, and you get all this extra shit. So if you go to patreon.com slash three in the pink, that's the word in the pink. You can pledge and become a patron. Yes, and support. Support your local, support local your businesses. Local Asians. If you put local it's immigrants. Like, yeah. <laughs> Call yourself an ally. Not yeah. until you give your money to Asians. Yes, let's start with Windrush because start that's serious a good with the yes, folly. With the uh, uh, frivolous. Mm. Um, 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 yes. <laughs> yes, a frippery, if you will. Yes. Um, so go on. Go on. Um, we're going back to Windrush because that shit is long. and mm, It was a big boat. It was a big boat. It was to, it carried a lot of people. Windrush is around. what coined the we're going to need a bigger boat phrase. Did you know that? <laughs> That's where that quote's from. <laughs> We're going to need a bigger boat. We're going to need all these Jamaica, there's loads all these of Jamaica. There's so many of them. <laughs> and they all want to come and help build this country. Yeah. It's disgusting, really. Mm. They all want a bit of this pie. Can you imagine getting on a boat across the Atlantic? Oof. Fuck me. Grim. Like, what is it? Like, three weeks or something? Three weeks. Yeah. Grim. Can you imagine all that And that time as well. Like, not even having a smartphone. <laughs> it's not like a cruise, like David Foster Wallace cruise, where you've got, like, endless luxury. You've it's not just the got... Weezer cruise. It's not the Bell and Sebastian cruise. No, no. Uh, you might get on that cruise, well, so be did. careful. There weren't any uh, live concerts for the Windrush generation no. to enjoy when they were on the boat. What did they maybe do? Booze? The fuck did they do? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, they probably they had some booze. And like, imagine being a sailor just sailing <laughs> around, like having to dick, like know the oceans, the endless, endless, endless oceans of the world. Well, they probably had sirens to distract them. The oh, water. perhaps yes, yes, yes. To seduce. Yes. And the lure. Do you think the drivers fucked any of the Windrush people? Who drove the boats? Are the brown people? Anyway, anyway, uh, the Windrush <laughs> scandal is unrelated to any of this. The Windrush scandal is continuing. Mm. So recently, one has found out that um, that there are character assessments involved in determining whether 
people from the Windrush generation have a right to remain and have citizenship. Mm. Um, so there have been quite a few cases in which people have been denied citizenship because they might have a criminal record. Usually it's just they don't fulfil the character requirements, but they're often not actually criminal records. It's mm. just oh, yeah. warnings and things. Yeah, just really petty stuff. Mm. Um, also, this, apply, this is applying to children as well. Yes, chillin'. Chillin'. Or so. people who were children. So, like, people mm. up to 10 years old can be... Can you imagine having to go back to, like, Sri Lanka now? Because you, like, had a run-in with the police, which I don't think you've had, but if you'd had some kind of <laughs> right, issue yeah, with the police yeah, yeah. At, like, when you were, like, ten, yeah. and then you got shipped off to Sri Lanka where, now. Yeah, where you've place that you've never been. There was, I saw a little video, there was, like, a change.org or some kind of, like, petition for these two two boys, Scottish boys, who are from... Eight. Sorry. From... Some Asian country, I can't remember. Oh, it's Pakistan. Okay. Um, the bad one. The bad one. <laughs> well, yeah, they were fleeing war. Yeah. Uh, and they settled here, Back and they've been here since they were little babies, and they go to school here. Um, but the government wanted to port them back uh, to Pakistan, where they were, their lives would be in danger because they're Christian. Oh. And they have been threatened uh, by, peop- by various organisations in Pakistan that if they come back, they'll be killed. Mm-hmm. So there was some like petition to keep the lads here with their family. Did you sign it? I signed it because I'm a good ally. Uh, well, fucking but I didn't done. share it <laughs> because I feel that's like embarrassing. I feel like sharing petitions is the worst. I shit. mean, petitions. You Oops. how how powerful are they? That's a whole another whole another kettle of petitions. But. <laughs> I don't know whether that... Yeah. No, I laughed that much. That wasn't that funny. It wasn't that funny, no. <laughs> I, just, I just put the word in another phrase. It didn't even you know, make sense. Yeah, it didn't make, it sense, didn't make at sense at all. That was a really bad joke. <laughs> it was really badly That was a very poor joke. Yeah. I'm just trying to pull up one of these articles because I've forgotten the stats. But there was the one that... There was a woman who died oh, um, because she had been denied um, benefits and she lost her job and her landlord was going to evict her. Mm-hmm. She was one of the Windrush lasses. Yeah. Um, and she fucking died. I don't know. It oh, might yeah. Have been what related. was her name? Uh, Sarah. She was only 57 They won't say something. her name. I don't think her name... Oh, Sarah yeah. O'Connor. Yeah. She said that the compensation extra support was not offered uh, as a Windrush victim, extreme financial hardship which impacted on her mental well-being right up until the day she died. She was unable to work or claim benefits and her landlord had told her he was going to evict her. The Labour MP said she had personally written to the Home Office about compensation, blah, 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 blah. Um, I just... She came to Britain when she was six. She attended primary school and secondary school here, worked, married and raised four children over 51 years. And she was still classified as an illegal element. Wait, over 50... Oh, right, I thought... (laughs) She said she raised kids over 51 years. I was like, did she have a baby when she was six? No. (laughs) (laughs) She got pregnant at seven years old, actually. Um, She was facing bankruptcy as a result of being classified as an illegal immigrant. Um... Can it just... Yeah, can you fucking imagine? Why do people still want to come to England? Seriously. <laughs> I mean, people still want to go to America because they believe that whole that American dream, land of the free thing, is still so... It's still kind of like a myth that's propagated in countries like, I don't know, like places in South America and stuff. People still want... Still believe that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's... It's a land of promise and hope. It's... It's difficult to talk about this without saying things that have already been said about how, like, appalling it is and how 
generally outrageous the way that English governments, the British government has always treated immigrants and refugees and people coming to the country. Mm. And again, it's 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 strange because in a, in a lot of ways it's frustrating people don't already know this, but in another way, a lot of people are kind of waking up to their realization that the British government doesn't treat immigrants very well, despite the fact that when these people came over, they already paid taxes, they had British passports, they were promised a life of luxury, or at least. They were highly trained, highly qualified people when they came over here, mm. and they didn't find the jobs the capable to them. And when they when they were invited or when they paid to come mm, over, mm-hmm. so they they paid to come over here, mm-hmm. Jamaicans and people from the Caribbean. Whereas all Jamaican the- me poor, <laughs> and they were making me crazy. Yeah, highly highly like educated mm-hmm. population. Mm. I can't remember the stats, but mm. the kind of. You know, the illiteracy rate's really high mm-hmm. and people were highly qualified and everyone knows that they came over and did jobs that were way, way beneath them. Mm-hmm. At what point, why don't they just go back? <laughs> why weren't they just like, oh, we're England shit? Because, but then what once was there was this... Ex- in the Caribbean that might have... Well, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I, I assume the conditions there wasn't yeah. enough like industrialization. There weren't yeah. industrialization. There weren't the same kind of jobs and yeah. industries yeah. and perfect like yeah. a bit. Uh, I assume it's opportunities for yeah. professional advancement. Yeah. Um, but when they came over here, the government was like, "Oh shit! There's way too many black people mm. coming here. Let's deliberately make a ploy." policies to, to stop this now mm-hmm. and they've tried to kind of hinder them ever since yeah they've um this is just another you know this more negligence on the part of the government that's never actually wanted these people to come here mm. it's never wanted people to actually integrate to yeah. the same level as other people but then like i guess over the decades since since they've since they've been here um they've you know they're such like um big communities of Caribbean people, especially in places like London, Birmingham, etc. The fact that they've sort of, like, become part of the, uh, you know, they've threaded their way into sort of British culture, etc., and now they're in some ways accepted more. Imagine how, like, uh, undignifying it must be to... And a lot of these people are, like, elderly now, Mm -hmm. to then be treated... As if they're unwanted. Yeah, I, I think it must be so distressing. Yeah, I think there's a pro- there's like a problem of like, I think it's difficult to empathise. I think for a lot of people, mm. some of the aspects of this this story appeal to people and some people who maybe not know about this kind of thing already, because it's the these are British citizens kind mm. of thing. But I think it's really difficult to conceptualise the fear of not of being deported, the mm. fear of of engaging in if you think about the things that you do every single day that put you on the system whether that's like getting an uber Mm -hmm. or going to the bank or uh going to the doctor Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all of these things under the hostile environment going to school Mm. uh going to work all of these things under the hostile environment policy are dangerous for anybody who doesn't have safe legal citizenship Mm -hmm. and who can't or maybe can't afford it because it's also incredibly expensive to get your citizenship. It costs thousands and thousands of pounds to get the lawyers and to get the support that you need in order to appeal for your status. People don't realise how what a terrifying existence that is and how different it is from the idea of the immigrant as a kind of like cloying, wanting 
like avaricious creature that just wants to leech off the state mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. like I think it's like takes a and I think the fact that it's now children who are getting yeah. to, who are mm. being mm. not allowed citizenship it throws the whole way of adjudicating whether or not someone is a British citizen completely into disarray it makes the system that we have for adjudicating whether or not someone mm. is allowed to be a British citizen is it needs a total reworking. It doesn't. It needs to yeah. be completely. And I'm not sure if. I mean, I haven't seen anyone say this, but I can anticipate this being the case that there will be people who look at this kind of good character assessment and think like, well, if they have committed crimes and they don't deserve to be here, yeah, exactly. I'm sure there must be people yeah. that have that opinion. Oh, absolutely. And it's it's not a matter of whether a person deserves to be here or not, but we know that 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 same level of scrutiny is not going to be put on to anybody else yeah. to anyone who's a, like a you know a UK citizen yeah I mean it's why it's it's such a effective way of I imagine just thinking thinking that a, because a person has committed a crime whatever however petty it might be that they shouldn't deserve yeah. that they deserve to be fucking deported it's really really uh, scary how effective our kind of carceral mindset yeah, is right. because if somebody and how kind of effective it is of a of a policy to send more people to prison knowing that people the worst thing you could possibly do in terms of mm. how you're viewed socially is yeah. to go to prison yeah, yeah. not to mention the fact that you can't get a job it basically it basically alienates you from all social life public life yeah. work life mm-hmm. and certainly employment housing mm-hmm. friendships whatever mm-hmm. We're employing record numbers of people. It costs more to send someone to prison than it does to send them to Eton. It's a stat I like to throw out. I think I got that from a Carla, so, you know, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I saw that on Twitter and I was like, okay, I'll say that. But but the point is it costs something like £80,000 to send someone to prison, especially young people. And every single person who... Almost everybody who gets expelled from school goes to prison. So you might as well just send someone to prison if they get expelled because mm. basically the system fails people. They com- they from commit the very pe- start. Yeah, really. when you think about when you think about it in those kind of terms, like uh, you know, children who are expelled are more likely to end up in prison. Yeah. It's like it's from birth, really. Yeah, that that people are sort of destined to end up in a certain place depending on their circumstances. Yeah, and they do. And mm. when they do, um, you know, obviously it's not to say that no, that there's no such thing as personal responsibility mm. or whatever. But there's certain the context of the situation really matters. And you know, people who live who have difficult scenarios and who who live in positions of severe socioeconomic disadvantage if they end up going to prison there that's a result of a failure of the state as well as a failure perhaps of of character as well Mm -hmm. but a failure of the state to nurture and support young people especially young people of color and then you've got you've got them immediately chucked into jail and then their citizenship not only is there mm-hmm. you know they're difficult to get a job and to get housing and stuff when you've uh, been to prison now you might even get like deported because you d- you committed and some of these children are as young as 10 and they've committed yeah. like the smallest of crimes i think you have to be eight is That's it mental like what kind of what like steal some sweets from a shop yeah or something? That, like mental. the kind of crimes you're committing when you're 10 yeah. can get you deported to <laughs> a different crazy. country at like one of the most formative ages in a country that you, that you have no no connection to whatsoever a country yeah. where you might 
your life might be in danger. Yeah, and especially, like, I feel like the cultural traditions in, like, Afro-Caribbean families are... Like, they can be as disparate as, like, my connection to India, which isn't very... Which is to say that not all immigrants are highly connected to their culture and Mm. also you've got this pressure to assimilate constantly Mm. by kind of western society you know you live here you play by our rules Mm. so you're raised i was raised to be like highly westernized Mm. so as to minimize kids i doubt speak the language the the parents mother tongue yeah it's just hypocritical obviously of the state to be Mm. like assimilate 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 forget forget your forget where you come from you're english now Mm. you have to act like you're english to be here and then just deport them anyway Mm. Like, deport them to a country they have no connection to because they were encouraged to assimilate mm. into this fucking mm. country, but without any support that they might have citizenship or anything yeah. like that. Um, fuck Sajid Javid. I can't think of a single oh, good thing every time he has like, done. Just continue. I continue to see his horrible fucking blotchy face. Yeah, he just sent his condolences articles. to that woman who died, basically. Fuck your condolences, bitch. Yeah, like, his horrible little, like... That face, evil oh, villain face. Like he, yeah, he looks like he doesn't care. Like <laughs> yes, he just looks he like he's just going like, lol. Well, he looks like the frog, the Pepe frog. Or yes, something. he does. He's just got such a blotch of a face. He's just a blotch, smug sneer. Like he doesn't even look like he's trying. You know, he doesn't even affect that kind of. This is the this is our generation of politicians, the ones who don't even pretend to care anymore. Yeah, they're just like managerial bureaucrats who are just there to take have the paycheck for the ego boost and the power has trip. a stupid name and that's not because it's Asian it's, it's just because, because his name is Sajid Javid, Javid. <laughs> that is like a name that Bob Mortimer would make up <laughs> yeah oh look at his horrible uh, face or lack of documentation lack of face it's just it could be necessary right, good so like, character requirement that's what it's called so there is there was somebody who wrote in who said that um they might have lost their citizenship if their grandma wasn't able to find her uh, birth certificate or something. Who can ever find who their birth Who can find their birth certificate? And who expects their grandma yeah, to find her it. birth certificate? Like, who the fuck has access to that kind of shit? Yeah, exactly. Um, and imagine, I don't know what my birth certificate is. Imagine being deported for something as small and frustrating as that. I'm at, oh my god, I would be so pissed off. <laughs> you, I would be so that's the kind of thing that would wind you. Pissed off if I just was deported from the country because I couldn't find this fucking little document, document. piece of paper. How often? I've buried lost my somewhere in the like attic. four times. <laughs> really? <laughs> like, oh, that's the kind of shit that like you just misplace. Yeah. Like your fucking car service book. Yeah, and like Diane Abbott, like queen of everything, was. <laughs> I bet she just lose pointed it. out. She would so lose she her totally fucking She totally would. She lost her fucking mind. <laughs> <laughs> but she said that, you know, it, he's asking for documents that he knows that they don't have. Right, yeah. So it's a way of just kind of backing them into a corner and just getting rid of them. And it just. It just seems insane to me that it's so hard bureaucratically to just it's just give what is it like sixty something people just give her the it's fucking crazy. It's not like it'd be pe- easier for them. It, yeah, it's not even like 
it's not even refugees who are coming out into the country or immigrants from anywhere coming into the country. They've been here. Yeah. They were already here. Yeah, they've like it's, taxes for 50, 60 yeah, years. It's, 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 it's mental. Yeah, it's absolutely mental. It's mental. Like, I just, it, it's bizarre. It is bizarre. Uh, it's disgusting. I wish I had more praxis to offer except just maybe go and, like, bomb Sajid Javid or something. <laughs> just him. Yeah. Um, shall we, oh, my God, we've been talking for 20 minutes. Do you I bet want... he has musty balls. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. His yeah. face looks like a big ball. It looks sack. oddly like they'd be quite smooth, but I mm. bet he'd like hold your head down. Anyway. He's probably got one of those ball sacks that, you know, the ball sacks that look like it's just one big ball. Like there's oh, yeah. no delineation yeah. between the different balls. Oh, I don't balls. want to think okay. it's way too early for me to think about <laughs> fucking Sajid Javid's singular ball sack. <laughs> um, shall um, we move on? Yes, yes, yes. Let's move on. Um, from a good thing to a bad thing. No, a bad thing to a good thing. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a connection between this topic and that topic, but there is none. Death, um, maybe? Death. Speaking of death, mm. um, we binge, we finally, like, I guess, bit the dangling carrot and watched Killing Eve, which mm. is a eight-part BBC miniseries. It is a juicy by carrot, indeed. BBC America, mm. written by Phoebe Waller-Bridge of Fleabag fame. Um, it is adapted from the novels by, I think, a man called Newt Luke... There was Luke something, something? yeah. Uh, The Villanelle series. Um, It is about... It's a spy thriller uh, about a kind of bored MI5 agent by the name of Eve Palastri, played Mm -hmm. by Sandra Oh from... Sandra Oh! Sandra Oh from Grey's Anatomy, who plays Christina Yang in Grey's Anatomy. I remember that because Grey's Anatomy was ruled. Was ruled. (laughs) It was ruled by Sandro. <laughs> she's oddly amazing in that. She, she, she like rules that. Show. It's like, why are you on Grey's Anatomy? I mean, I liked Grey's Anatomy right. when I was. You mean, but she was too good for it, yeah? Not too, because that show had medical? quite a good like beating heart. Like it had quite a lot of good female oh, beating heart because it was medical. Oh, uh, I think she might have won. An, uh, the show well, she won was at Emmys, least nominated for an Emmy. I think she got an Emmy for this for, for Killing Eve. Yeah, she did. She didn't. She lost out to that um, marvelous Mrs. Maisel, I think. Anyway. Um, it's about a MI5 detective who is pursuing a kind of beautiful psychopath called Villanelle, or is she called Villanelle? Played by Jodie Comer. Comer, I guess it's Comer. Comer, Comer, Jodie Comer, Shumley Appeal, Comer Cheese. Comer over here. Comer, Jodie Comer. Ask Tom. Comer, as he'll know. How do you fucking say that? Um, and the show. Um, the show kind of um, so there's a murder at the start, and um, Eve has to investigate it, and she suspects that it's a woman. A woman. And um, and it is, but like they don't believe her, so she leaves. She gets doesn't fired. Take, doesn't take her she for a weird. Fired doesn't take her weird for it. Yeah, and then the whole show is just her. Like where's this accent going from? It's them that she sort of becomes kind of obsessed. With Villanelle and and vice versa, Mm. and it becomes this game of kind of cat and mouse, but they're both the cat and they're both the mouse. They're both sexy. Sort of lesbian undertone. Sexy mice. 
sexy in different ways. Sandra O oh is like Eva sort of played down quite. Mm. She's kind of kind of fuss or as fusty as Sandra O oh can be, you mm. know, kind of dressed down turtlenecks and kind of cardies and raincoats. Yes, and stuff. yes, and then, yes. And then Villanelle is kind of supremely luxurious, very yes, fancy Parisian clothes. Yes. Yeah, kind of pastel colours and kind of flouncing around Paris. Although um, when she's on her missions, she wears sometimes very like kind of utilitarian looking like I remember that the first I think the second or second or third scene you see around when she does her first killing that you actually see in Tuscany she's wearing just like denim shorts and biker boots but she is wearing like a flancy shirt Mm. and I was like that's an interesting combination Mm. But, but then yeah. when they go for spoilers, this is a whole everything's spoiler here, by the way. Um, when when they go after Frank, she's wearing a sort of like big overcoat and yeah, like our uh, like because I guess she's doing like assassin stuff there, mm. and she's also in England. But so the show's gained like pretty much wide, like hundred percent, like yeah, widespread appeal. Claimed so far Everybody's as well. kind of losing their shit over it. It was released in America because it was produced by BBC America first, so the critics there were like ah. Uh, like really really obsessed with it Phoebe Waller-Bridge has a really distinctive writing style that you wouldn't think would come across in a spy show as no. much as it did in Fleabag because Fleabag if you saw Fleabag was about yeah that's a sort of tour de force yeah it's like it was a really like kind of coruscating examination of grief and friendship sexuality and sexuality yeah and like and depression and you know modern culture and it was also like really bitter and yes and it was really funny but obviously everyone all the reviews were just like oh my god it's about like a strong woman yeah and obviously Um, like she's played the titular character she did it you can see so much more of her idiosyncrasies in that show yeah so you wonder how it would translate to something like this but I was surprised within the first five minutes of the show how much of that kind of acerbic, kind of unusual, just kind of... What I was surprised by in the show is there are so many moments where you're... you're, If you you take the Nanette dictum that a joke is a surprise... um, Yeah, which sometimes Mm. it is. Sometimes people say a joke is a surprise. If a joke is a surprise, though, there are loads of those little surprises, little, like, twists and tropes or... She'll take, she'll kind of send up the genre as well as being part of the genre, committing to the genre. But like, you know, there's that line where Villanelle's about to kill that guy, and he's like, "Please, I have children." She's like, "I don't want your children." She's like, genuinely Wasn't it confused. Said that. No, it's that guy in the office. You don't oh, know who it is. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, think we yeah, ever yeah. know who that is. I think. The... Yeah, she. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she's just like. She's like, I don't want your children. Um, there are sort of small moments, quite a few, especially early on, where you're like, oh, there's that kind of like irreverent yeah, yeah. kind of voice, the writing voice. And I, I, was, I thought it would fall prey to that thing. You know how like writers who have a very distinctive voice, like Aaron Sorkin or uh, Wes Anderson... All of their characters speak like Wes Anderson. Mm, Louis mm. C.K. is guilty of this too. Like all the characters in Louis talk like Louis. Mm. They all have this that specific way of speaking. I find that uh, I can, sometimes I can like I can like writers in spite of that. Like if I like the voice itself, then I don't mind as much. But I do find it frustrating when like every Woody Allen character is mm, is mm. is the same. You know, a lot of them anyway. And. Uh, I thought Philippe, that this might happen because she's got such a particular voice. Mm. And sometimes 
that is the case but for the most part the characters manage to be kind of like witty and funny and kind of weird but on in a way that makes sense to the characters not just the writer having fun with characters mm. and using them as mouthpieces for kind of things that they thought might be funny yeah it'd be interesting to know how how it's been adapted from the original text because mm. i obviously I, I haven't read that shit i don't know i don't think it was two it, women it deviates oh does it not i don't think so maybe okay. it is well that's interesting i would i would be curious to know like how how much, how you know, whether the similarities are there or, or, like, how in terms of plot or in character or in whatever sense, like, I, I how was, similar they are. I was wondering that, too. Mm. I suspected that it was just more of a textbook spy mm. novel. Um, but I don't, I don't actually know. I never even heard of the books, but I will look into them. But what's also frustrating about the show, because when something's, like, the prose is so adulatory about mm-hmm. something and it's so universal, usually I'm quite suspicious of it. Yeah. Um, and I was suspicious of it going in, but I was kind of like won over because I do mm. think she's a uniquely talented writer. Um, and then, but when I actually read the good reviews, I still found something to pick at because it's like the reviews are good, but they're good about like the wrong thing. Yeah, no, totally. So the reviews all focus on the fact that this is a uh, kind of. Uh, a, t- a TV show for the Me Too generation. It's oh. it's a show about how underestimating women will kill you <laughs> and how women are dangerous and the power of female friendships. Where the fuck in the show is there a good female friendship? No. There, it's, it's about, like, also the that, duplicity of yeah, that stuff. Also, if, that, if we're talking about, like, you know, dangerous women and stuff like that, that's not new. No. Like... We, the people are saying it's revolutionary because because Villanelle doesn't use her sexuality to, <sighs> that much. She doesn't. She's not a seductress. She just she plays on the fact that people underestimate. Yeah. Her. I mean, there are lots of ways that you can describe this series as being original. Yeah. But um. But in but in terms of like you know dangerous women or mm. underestimating women, like that's been something that's been explored in yeah. like books and. TV series and films forever and ever. I, it's just, it's frustrating that when anything comes, anything in the media is uh, not even, like, woman-centric, but has, like, a female lead, mm-hmm. that it has to be described as, like, feminist or looked at through that lens. It's not necessarily yeah. a bad thing. Like, yeah, I sort of, you know, we do tend to see, read things or analyse things through, like, sort of feminist theory or feminist lens or whatever but it's not always helpful or useful yeah exactly not it can be but just not like this not Mm. in in a kind of way that's so superficial like this is where i agree with the alt-right people (laughs) i think that this kind of postmodernism, this kind of um this obsession with moralizing about art and the introduction of social theories in order to um social theories used to analyze art mm. is is very yeah. like in vogue in academia mm. right now the, the the phds and the masters that will get funded right now are you know about like gender into the lighthouse and about kind of queer theory and not all of it's bad mm. not all of it's uh, but but there is a tendency now to use um moral social and economic theories to analyze works of art Mm. art, which are theoretically supposed to be amoral and so you can analyze you can use i've read there's i think it's a mark fisher quote 
that's the weekly mention of Mark Fisher. It might not be Mark <laughs> Fisher. But he says, like, a Marxist reading of, say, uh, Macbeth can't tell you much about Macbeth, but it can tell you a lot about Marxism. Right. And so you're f- just further... You're further cultivating uh, an understanding of the theory but you're not really engaging with the complexity of a piece of art you're not really understanding the like dualism and contradictions and paradoxes that exist inherently in any good work of art Mm. because a good work of art will mirror the kind of gray areas of of humanity it won't just present you with like victim and abuser and any show or tv or um film or whatever that does that i find really irritating i can't even so i saw that i read that article where that dickhead whoever it was said like oh this is a show for a me too generation but i can't yeah. even fucking remember what her connection was or how they made a connection between this and me too yeah i really don't well so <laughs> this is what's frustrating it. is and it comes back to the fact that we don't have a proper idea of what me too actually right, means yeah. what what but it comes down to the idea that because me, who? me who because me too is vaguely about just this mm. for all women any show that is because make no mistake like fleabag and killing eve and and are 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 distinctly like feminist shows mm. if you want to use that mm. label she clearly is making an effort to have many female characters as women of color they're they're complicated characters mm-hmm. they are there's i bet in i bet i assume from from the novels to the show i bet she's ter- made a lot of the male characters women mm-hmm. the carolyn character the mi5 mm-hmm. operative Obviously, the two leads, her helper, mm-hmm. her sidekick, uh, loads of the characters, pr- primarily women, but they're not there to be like vessels of virtue to show mm-hmm. how amazing women could be. I actually saw an interview or a clip of an interview with Phoebe Waller Bridge. She was talking about when Fleabag came out, how frustrating it was to have it be labelled as this, like, feminist show. And mm. everyone was really excited about it. Mm. And that's what they kept saying about it. And she was like, of course I'm a feminist. She's like an ardent feminist. That mm. runs right through the show. But it's a show about death and grief mm. and denial and betrayal and love mm. and friendship and all of these things. Mm. And all of that gets funneled into this black and yeah, white, yeah. Uh, you know, fucking Me Too generation. Yeah. And you need to go a little bit deeper than that. Even if you want to describe it as feminist or use like a feminist lens to analyse it, yeah. you need to go a little bit further than just... It's just people go, like falling back on this strong female character yeah. thing, which is now a trope. So yeah. like you need to... If you are going to go down that path, yeah, it needs to be a little bit more nuanced. Yeah, it does, and this it does speak to. I don't want to sound too much like a fucking right winger theorist or whatever. Well, maybe I do, but it is it. All of this stuff, it does mean art. Art does suffer, and I do mm. think we live in a culture that is. Although we're obsessed with culture, with mm. music and stuff, there's a certain like artistic. Um, kind of ambivalence that is kind of just numbed and um kind of uh pummeled down into flatness by by a culture that is refuses to see anything in any in any other terms than a black and white morality the way that these reviews have written about the show make it sound like 
the music video for Bad Blood by Taylor Swift. Yeah. It's yeah, that kind of like yeah, badass like, feminism. Yes, yeah. It's like, yes, these like, and I, and, and I was watching it thinking, I can't wait to read the fucking reviews. Because mm. it is, there are women who are smart and capable and funny and weird. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was watching it going, oh, it's nice that they haven't included that. There was no gratuitous, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. tits. Villanelle manages to be very sex, sort of sexy and very magnetizing, mm. but they never show, it's never explored her she's never mm. like needlessly naked i did appreciate that watching the show yeah. i always do when someone does that well i'm like oh, i appreciate how you know this character is smart but they're not it doesn't, her... it's not, that's not what makes the show no it's not it's, what it, makes they're just the like show. small details that you feel relieved by only because you're so used to other shows being different it's yeah. just a night it's just a touch but it's, it we like the, the you like the show for the same reason that you'd like any tv or show because it's got strong compelling narrative yeah and complex characters yes and i guess i wish more people would just go it's a good fucking show <laughs> yeah. and yes you can mention obviously you can't just ignore the fact that it's a distinctly female show and mm. it's going to a lot of effort you're fine to okay. a lot of effort to uh, present these characters as complicated and stuff. It is making that point. Of course, if you write and re- release a show like this, you are, you know, making a point in a way. But there's so many other points to be made. There's the way the way that the story's told, the pacing, mm, the other characters, mm-hmm. the humour of it. I mm-hmm. mean, the big thing for me is I tend to not be able to enjoy things if they don't have a sense of humour, even if they're very... Which is weird because I like a lot of sad music, but there's there's like humor in that too. Yeah. There's a knowingness to a lot of that kind of stuff. Obviously, I like things that aren't funny, yeah. but like it. This sort of humor as well is well integrated into it. It's yes. not like shoehorned in. I think a lot of Marvel. A, lot of times... a little help over here. <laughs> Marvel things when some guys like fighting yeah, yeah, a yeah. monster or whatever. Yeah. Oh god. Guys, of... I could do with a little help over here. One-liners during during a fight. Yeah. During yeah, yeah, combat, yeah. you'll yeah. have like these one-liners that the villain will say to the Yeah, and someone else will go, "I'm a little busy right yeah, now." Because yeah, yeah. they're all so funny. <laughs> 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 yeah. I think the danger is with shows like this that uh, you know, cross genre where you're going in you're going with thrillers or you're going with thrillers or action or whatever Uh Um, when you try to insert humour it doesn't it's clunky it's Mm. clumsy it doesn't really work well but this this is just well kind of threaded through Mm -hmm. so that's like yeah more testament to the testament to Phoebe's writing. Yeah. I say Phoebe like she like I know her Phoebe's. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because she clearly is like she's a comic mind. Mm. So it's interesting she'd turn her hand to something like this. Yeah. She, then that means she can literally do both things. Because mm-hmm. the Because the action and all, all that thriller stuff is also very good. It's very yeah. very gripping. Yeah. I just I I and you know, maybe the husband was a bit of a wet, wet blanket, but you, know, you get you get it. a few wet blankets. I mean, you get the kind of husband or partner of the main wet blanket character. Yeah. Is that that's fairly common, and they need to be there to sort of worry and yeah, provide that sort of alternative like yeah yeah. Yet yeah, to show that the character is the push it, are they pushing going, themselves too far? Yeah, are they give the distancing themselves more and more from yeah. reality? Yeah. Um, who are? Where are you? I miss you, but I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> no, but where are you? Up here. And they tap their skull. Um, but yeah, I, I would it, 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 five stars for me. Um, I think that's all to say. Mm-hmm.
really, about yeah. the show. Um, or she want to finish studying that text? Okay. <laughs> Apsy's uh, texting. Miss. <laughs> Miss. Apsy's texting. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. Have you got anything more to say? I don't. No, I'm done now. I've got loads well, of stuff to do now. Well, watch the show. So. I mean, if you haven't spoiled, it's probably been spoiled a fair bit. Not, not really. really. We haven't actually said no, what happens. No, we haven't really. But watch it and watch then read it. the reviews and have a nice big lol at how stupid everybody is. Yeah. Um, and that's it. Cheers. Bye. Thank you. Bye.